You're listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the internet to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web shapes popular opinion, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com. Jern Chat founder Sarah Evans goes on the record online. Jern Chat just evolved out of one night when I was asking a bunch of questions and I realized a lot of other people had the same question, so I just put a hashtag with it and then asked if people wanted to come back. Sarah Evans created a weekly event that happens on Twitter Mondays from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time called Jern Chat, and it's identified that the chat that occurs uh, is attended usually by about 250 people. It happens on Twitter, and everyone denotes the hashtag um, Jern Chat, J O U. R-N-C-H-A-T in their tweets and uh, with filtering um, tools like uh, 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 TweetChat or TweetGrid or TweetDeck, you can actually participate in a moderated conversation, which Sarah moderates. And uh, I had a chance to talk to her about um, uh, best practices for Twitter. We talked about uh, personal brands versus corporate brands on Twitter. And we talked about how organizations can align with unofficial social media back channels. Um, All that and more after this. Hi, this is Chris Bechtel, and I'm the Vice President of Products and Services with iPressroom. Today, we're talking about one of our core offerings, the online pressroom. Using iPressroom's media platform content management system, non-technical communications pros can easily upload, manage, measure, and distribute their content in a full-featured, branded online pressroom. See pressroom.target.com for an example. The same is available on a smaller scale as well for nonprofits, smaller organizations, and mid-sized companies. If you'd like to learn more, feel free to email us questions to info at ipressroom.com or visit us on the web at www.ipressroom.com slash demo. We're talking to Sarah Evans. She's the founder of JournChat. You mentioned two clients for, for participating. One is TweetChat and one is TweetGrid. Which do you like better? <laughs> um, I have to disclaim quickly that both um, developers of both the platforms have been very generous and kind and, and have set up different um, capabilities for JournChat specifically. Uh, but the one I use the most is TweetChat simply because I like the format a little bit better. But um, I think there's a heavy audience that uses both, or they use uh, TweetDeck um, as well. But, but what I use is TweetChat. Is there anything specific about TweetChat you can tell us that you, can, that you get from that app that you don't get from TweetGrid? Uh, one of the things that I really like is that there is a featured user control so um, I encourage people, if they use TweetChat, that they can highlight the moderator account so that it comes up in bold lettering. It's highlighted. It's a little larger than the um, other text. The other thing that has been happening as we've been growing more popular is that we get a lot of spam um, sent during the conversation. So the other thing I really like about TweetChat is that you can also block users. Um, you can actually block them from their tweets coming through uh, the chat. And it, it's different because... To block someone, you normally have they have to be following you, and then you can block them. But in this chat, you can just block a spammer. 
What are some of the things that uh, you've learned from Chat that surprise you? Uh, that's a, a great question. I'm surprised every week. Um, one of the things I found that, well, that surprises me personally is that, that via an open um, platform like Twitter that people let me moderate. Um, but I, I was really surprised that people would be so uh, interested in, in coming back every week. Um, I mean, I try not to repeat the same questions over and over, but we do get a new mix, and, but we do get quite a few returning people, I mean, who have come back for 20-plus weeks to this conversation. So I'm more surprised about the participation, um, the repeat uh, participants, the new participants, um, and then the, the questions and answers. I mean, I, I really don't feel like it's the same people repeating the same types of answers over and over. We get a really well-versed um, uh, uh question, or can I start that over? Sure. Sorry. <laughs> um, the other thing that really surprises me is the um, amount of dialogue that we generate. When I ask a question, we don't get the same responses over and over like a group think. We get really well thought out different perspectives from people across um, all industries, and that, uh, that always continues to surprise me. Talk to me about volume. Um, how many people participate uh, weekly in Jernchat? Um so the last time we counted just people who tweeted, I think it was something like 250. Um, however, I, I get asked the measurement question quite a bit. So I have created networks on Facebook, LinkedIn, and, of course, the, the Twitter group. And if I look at um, how many people across those, it's not adding all of them together. It's taking into account some people may be members of all three, but we've got a little over 4,700 people. Uh, one of the other things is... A lot of people don't participate in Jern Chat, but they watch the entire conversation. Um, and so I want to count those people as participants as well because they are taking in learning. And then a lot of them will email me or direct message me or at me on Twitter or contact me on Facebook after the chat uh, telling me what they learned. You said you, you had a, uh, a Jern Chat Twitter group, yes? Tell well, it's just the Jern Chat account. People can follow it. Got it. And how many people following that account now? Um... Roughly. More than 4,700. <laughs> okay, r- roughly 5,000 people yes. following that. And how quickly did that happen? Like, when did you start Jern Chat? Jern uh, Chat was started, I want to say, 21 or 22 weeks ago. Um, and it has just grown quickly. And just as an example, when I opened up the um, Facebook group, I think we had 1,000 members um, in under a week. So, I mean, it, it has grown and become popular rather quickly. And, and I'm considering popular in a group that is PR folks, journalists, and bloggers. So it's very specific. Is it the first chat? Because I've noticed a number of other chats as well. I don't know that I can take credit for the the very first chat. Um, I would love to. I do know that it has helped to inspire others to create new chats. Um, and the only reason I know is because almost everyone who has started a new chat for an industry has emailed me for tips and best practices, and they'll uh, we will seek one another out for um, for tips, for example, the spammers. I, I, as soon as a conversation becomes a top trending topic on Twitter, that's when the spammers come out in droves. So, um, you know, they've reached out to me and asked for help, and I love every time um, someone from another industry decides to do a chat. I just think it's a, a great um, 
brainstorming and professional development opportunity. So if you just sort of look across all the different people who have started chats and asked you for advice, what are your top three tips to someone looking to start a chat on Twitter? Um, number one, I, I just say go for it. Everyone, uh, a lot of people ask, how long should I promote this? How long um, do you think I need to get people involved? And really, Chat just evolved out of one night when I was asking a bunch of questions, and I realized a lot of other people had the same questions, so I just put a hashtag with it and then asked if people wanted to come back. So I say just jump in and go for it. Um, number two, I would say um, don't necessarily have a level of expectation um, for what you expect will happen uh, because as with anything via social media, you kind of never know what's going to happen. Uh, and number three, don't. Uh, these are my top three, I guess. If you, you know, don't give up on it. If the first or second week don't go as as uh, well as you hoped, you know, keep it going. If you have five people, if you have ten people, if you have twenty people, you know, those are people who want to learn. Um, and so those are just very generic, general tips, but I think are very applicable to anyone looking to start an online conversation. How long did it take until you um, saw that people, you know, that, 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 that this was catching on? Um, I think two weeks <laughs> when I saw people starting to write blog posts about it and people had emailed me saying, oh, I secured domain names for you. Someone offered to set up a website. Um, someone else secured a Twitter account. I mean, it was just like people caught on really quickly and realized it was most likely not going to go away. So you've got this uh, weekly chat, Jern chat, mm-hmm. um, that you created and there's uh, you know five thousand some odd approximately people that are, are have followed this at uh, Jern Chat account on Twitter, and uh, and 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 you moderate. Um, when people participate in the chat under a branded account, if the Twitter account is not somebody's name but rather the name of a brand or product or service, and just sort of a picture, maybe a generic picture representing that brand, product, or service, um, does. Does that work? I mean, what do you think is more effective for communicators? Should they be establishing a branded Twitter presence or should they be establishing individual uh, Twitter presences? I I can give you an example um, in regards to Chat that um, it's Vicky from at PR Newswire participates every week, but we know it's it's Vicky and um, she is participating on behalf of PR Newswire. But I, uh, my personal opinion is that it gives them much more credibility, that they're engaging with a community that, um, one, um, either uses their product, or two, they're people who they want to use their product. Um, and it's very appropriate since it's a primarily PR-heavy chat that um, a business that has branded, branded themselves on um, press release and uh, distribution, um, that they participate. So I think it is, that's a very um, appropriate use of a brand name um, that has branded themselves on uh, Twitter and participating in a chat. So you're okay with that, the idea that someone would set up a branded Twitter presence, not necessarily have their name attached to it, and tweet under the brand? Uh, it doesn't bother me at all, in fact. And I, you know, there, there really aren't um, black and white rules to all of this, but it's finding the way that works best. Um, if somebody has set up a branded Twitter ID and they're not, not seeing much interaction, they're not seeing much traffic, they may want to reevaluate what tactics they're using. Um, it may, in fact, not be the brand name, but the way in which they're using the account. 
So there are a lot of um, questions to be asked before deciding whether or not using a branded identity is working or not. As a Twitter user, would you feel, um, you know, if you if you were having a conversation with maybe, you know, a brand versus a person, would you wonder who the person was behind the brand? Um, from a personal viewpoint, yes. Um, I, I love to know... Um, who's behind it, and, and also because I love to analyze what works and what doesn't work, so, you know, I, I'm an inquiring mind. Um, however, if it's a product that I, I really um, love, uh, it feels kind of cool to, to, to know that they noticed you and that they're replying back, but I've noticed on a lot of branded accounts, they will acknowledge up front who's running the account, what, um, a lot of times what time frame certain people are part of the account, um, but, I mean, it it doesn't bother me when people do it, but I, I do like to know who's behind it. Practically speaking, how is that done? How does uh, a company that sets up a Twitter account under a brand acknowledge that different people are you know, responsible for the, the conversation there? Sure. I've seen a, a few best practices or that I consider best practices. One is utilizing the profile section of your Twitter account. They'll put down um, people's names who are participating the other thing is I've noticed people will, um, or brands will have the person tweeting include their initials um, in their tweets so people can see who is responsible for what. Um, the other thing is um, people may have more than one account, meaning that they'll have employees with their first name and then the brand name in their Twitter ID so that it's just it's more than one account and people know exactly who they're interacting with. I've seen a good amount of discussion uh, about whether or not it makes sense to put the brand first or the, the, the personalities behind the brand first. Um, what do you think? I mean, are there any best practices there? Is there a risk of um, an individual uh, becoming uh, you know, a known personality at the expense of a brand? I think you always run the risk of that. Um, I, again, I, I just don't think that there's a rule for it. I think if you're using media, uh, social media well, you're using it well. Um, and it doesn't matter if the brand is first or the person's name is first. Um, I often give the example of Scott Monty from Ford. I think they've, they've taken a really positive risk in allowing him to brand himself as a Ford employee uh, as opposed to just um, Scott from Ford. Um, I just noticed him connecting well and, and doing a lot of things the, the right way. Uh, I think only time will tell. Uh, but as far as my opinion goes, I, I think it's just about using the vehicle well and not getting too caught up in, do I put the brand name first or do I put the person's name first? And if you know, whoever is going to be in charge or the people who are going to be in charge of your social media identity and the voice of your organization, um, you want to make sure that they're, they're happy and, you know, and as you do with all employees, but just make sure that you've got happy, valued employees uh, working on this for you because the more valued they are, the less likely that they are going to leave. But um, it's all about taking risk, and I'm a firm believer in allowing people to um, kind of cross and blur the lines of that um, of their personal brand and their professional brand. It's interesting because um, you know Toyota's taken a very different tack with respect mm -hmm. to their Twitter strategy. And uh, in last week's episode, we, we heard from their social media supervisor about how they do that. But you've actually done also a lot of work and a lot of um, um, research on best practices for practicing media relations, for pitching journalists, if you're a PR person, via Twitter. Um, so could you give us sort of an overview? I mean, what do's and don'ts if you're a PR person and you want to 
pitched or endorsed via Twitter, is that okay? And if so, what's the best way to do it? It is uh, on an individual basis. I don't think you can generalize at all that it's okay to, to uh, pitch all journalists or not to pitch all journalists. Um, I, social media is another vehicle, and I do the same thing as I do outside the virtual life in building the relationship first. Um, and that's what it's all about to me. And, and many times, um, as I've built relationships with journalists, we may do a, a private pitch where I don't pitch them publicly, but I'll send them a DM and just say a direct message and say, hey, I've, I've got this idea. Are you interested in it? Uh, or we've taken the relationship outside of Twitter and, of course, exchanged email addresses, um, and we'll pitch that way. But um, And every once in a while, I'll send out a tweet saying, I'm working on something. If there are any bloggers or journalists interested in this topic, feel free to contact me. Um, but I, I follow the same tactics as I have in my um, non-virtual PR life, and it's all about the relationship. You're also um, involved at Mashable as a journalist, so you sort of walk, you know, you're, 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 you're a PR person, but you're also a journalist, right? I would say a guest writer. <laughs> I don't think I would classify, classify myself as... Um, a journalist at all, and simply because when I'm writing for them, um, I'm usually excited about uh, excited about a topic, and um, I, I do not have any formal journalism training. Tell us about um, media on Twitter. Well, media on Twitter evolved because everyone was saying, gosh, I wish I had a list of all the media who are on Twitter. Now, anyone who is on media on Twitter, it does not automatically mean that they're okay being pitched. It's essentially just a, a database or a resource or a reference guide um, where people can locate media who are on Twitter. It is a uh, user-generated database. Um, generously, uh, the space is um, a database was um, donated by Trackavia, and um, people can submit their inquiries. They go th- the inquiries go through a vetting process, and then they're added on um, to the database. There, there are a few nice features where you can sort um, by media name, by outlet, by location, um, and you can send forms to yourself so that it really becomes a nice um, resource and database. A lot of uh, organizations are concerned about participating in conversations that they don't control. They, you know, the illusion of control um, you know, still, still applies at a number of different organizations. Um, so, so, but, but at the same time, you know, you've got these vibrant discussions taking place on Twitter and in Facebook and, and uh, in other areas of uh, emerging social media networks. What advice do you have for organizations that want to align their interests with those unofficial back channels? Uh, the one thing I always say, and I get the question a lot, um, what do we do if we get involved and someone says something bad about us? I always tell them they're having the conversation with you or without you, and it's your decision on whether or not you want to join in. Um, so, so that's the starting point. You know, first you have to make an acknowledgement that you're going to become part of the conversation. Um, next, I feel like you need to bring in. I mean, there is some sense of strategy that needs to go behind it of, of what you're going to do, whether it's um, if this doesn't work out, if it's a short-term campaign. You know, what's what's your exit strategy? Um, but you need to pull some experts in around you and talk about what it is that you want to accomplish, what your identity is going to look like, and um, and what what you're going to do once you're there. Who do you think um, – you, you mentioned uh, uh, Scott Monty at Ford. 
What other companies do you think are doing a really good job of integrating social media into how they communicate with external audiences? Sure. Um, I, I have a few examples that I'm sure most people are familiar with. So there's Scott Monty. Comcast does a great job from a customer service perspective with um, Frank. Uh, he's at Comcast Cares. I think um, from a social media, well, from an online community perspective, Dell has done a really good job with the implementation of IdeaStorm um, and letting people, letting their customers determine um, what their most important priorities are, uh, letting customers write reviews that they house on their website. Um, I think most people know that a few years ago that was not the case and there was a huge um, backlash against Dell. Um, you know who, who else that I wouldn't have expected, but the, the CDC, the, Senators, the Centers for Disease Control, uh, with swine flu, they did an excellent job integrating social media into rebranding to H1N1. Um, they did everything from widgets to Flickr accounts to letting people share their stories about swine flu, but they did it in such a way it allowed them to stay part of the conversation and manage um, rumors and um, also to get the, the facts out there in a timely manner. We, we uh, appear to um, be living through a revolution with respect to how people consume media and how organizations communicate. Um, and, and you're really uh, someone sort of poised at the future, at the intersection of, of where we were and where we're going. Um, what growth do you expect to see over the next three, four years? You know, uh, that's an excellent question. I see the growth of online communities, and I don't want to just say social media, but overall online communities um, are the way in which we're going. I don't think we can ever underestimate the value of traditional methods, especially as there are audiences out there that still are reached best through those methods. But um, to not have an online identity, to not be participating and looking is really um, getting to a point where it, you have to be involved in order to appear um, credible. Uh, I think we're just going to see tremendous growth in the number of tools available. I think we're going to see a growth in... Um, uh, custom social media platforms. Um, you know, a lot of people develop their own social media networks via Ning. Um, just the growth of social media platforms in general, the number of people engaged. And um, we're going to see people actually using the tools in a more dynamic manner. A lot of the uh, trailblazers are going to find ways to really harness the power and show a return, um, that, that return on investment or return on engagement. People really want to know those numbers. And I think we'll see more people being able to show a return on the time they invest in online communities. Uh, is, there, is there anything else um, that we haven't talked about that, that you'd like to share with, uh, with our listeners? I think that is it for right now. I always encourage people to reach out to me via Twitter at PR Sarah Evans or on Facebook. Um, and I'm happy to, uh, to engage and, and chat. I, uh, I love learning from people every day. I think that's one of the things I've taken the most from uh, my presence in online communities is how much I've gotten to learn from other people. There are a lot of generous people out there willing um, to share, and that's something I try to model and um, use as a best practice in what I do online. Sarah Evans, founder of Jern Chat, which happens weekly on Twitter uh, from uh, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Mondays. Thank you for joining us. You want to say goodbye? Oh, sure. <laughs> Thank you so much. 
You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the web to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web impacts corporate reputations, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com.